This is Akafe. Laura Marie and Jessica Marie proudly present A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, a podcast. Fair warning, everything the hosts say is explicit, full of spoilers and adult content and shall not be used against them. They have opinions. Let's try not to drag anyone for expressing themselves and just have fun for an hour. We all deserve it. This episode has no spoilers, but does mention The Office, Ted Lasso, and Legally Blonde. For a full list of trigger and content warnings from the book Assistant to the Villain, please see show notes. Everybody and welcome to A Court of Fandoms and Exploration, your weekly deep dive into the YA literature and fandoms that we love. I'm Laura Marie. And I'm Jessica Marie. And today we are welcoming a very special guest and our new friend. This is Hannah. Welcome, Hannah. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We are so excited to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, I'm, I thank you guys for, for inviting me on. I'm so excited <laughs> to talk with you both. So, essentially, it has now been almost a week since your book has been out. How has the whole process been leading up to it? It's been amazing. I feel like every day I wake up and I have no idea what's going on. And I have no idea how I got here. And I'm like, I don't, like, it's really difficult for my brain to process the amount of excitement that I've been feeling because it's like a lot for the human body to manage. Anytime I find something out that's like exciting in regards to the book or like anything else, I I try to, I like lose all sense of like professionalism and I'm like, I'm starting to sweat. I'm sorry, everybody. Like I'm perspiring. Uh, The glands are opening. (laughs) I think I'm going to pass out. So um, I think mentally I'm handling it like pretty well. I'm having like a great time. I'm just so excited. My body might give out on me any day now. But other than that, it's been just like so unbelievably like pinchy moments like every day. It's insane. Oh, that is just so excellent to hear. Now, we have been so, so lucky to have scored um, art copies of your book. They are fantastic. We, we have read it. Uh, we, we know all of the things. We are very familiar with the story. We are loving everything. Yay. We know the twists, the turns, everything. What we don't know is kind of how everything started, the ideas, and how everything kind of came together to form this beautiful, cohesive, fantastic thing that I have in my hands right now. Oh, so you. can you kind of start at the beginning and kind of take us through this process? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very unique uh, way to write a book, I think. I, I started from like a skit series that I started on TikTok called Assistant to the Morally Gray Fantasy Villain. Um, and originally I, when I started doing these videos, I had been doing like skits for, for a few months at this point when I started doing a series two years ago. And I was trying to just think of like more funny bits to do. I had done like, if I met the morally great fantasy villain, I had done like, if I was in an enemies to lovers robots, like basically putting like an average girl reader into like a situation like that is kind of like how it was born. And then the one day I was like, I think it would be funny if I was like a personal like office assistant to like one of the fantasy characters. And originally I was like, I'm going to do the fantasy heroine and I'm going to be like, 10 a.m. You're going to let out a breath. You didn't know you were holding um, <laughs> like, things like that. 
And then I I ended up having like so many more fun ideas for villains. And I, I also have just always had such an obsession with villains since I was like little, little. I remember like telling my mom that I thought Hades from Hercules would be my best friend. And she was like, he's bad. He's like a bad guy. And, I, and I'm like, nobody's funny. So it's okay. <laughs> he makes a lot of jokes. And I would like ask her, like, you think he would like me? And she's like, I'm concerned. <laughs> so the pipeline is clear. That's how we got here. And after I posted the first skit, I I was like an overwhelming amount of love for it. And I had so much fun making it that I was like already planning the next one. And I continued to make them. And over the course of the months of making them, it stopped being just like short 60 second bits and started being like characters and actual storyline intertwining all of the episodes. And Eventually, I had to put down what I was like writing at the time because I was constantly like working on a manuscript. And I was like, one day, I want to publish a book. I don't know what book or what story it's going to be. But I've always wanted to create something that makes me feel the way that like my favorite stories make me feel. And that story was on my mind all the time. Like I was thinking about the skits constantly. I was thinking about the villain constantly. I was thinking about his assistant. I was thinking about what he would say to her in this moment. And when I sat down to write the book, it was like the fastest I've ever written anything. Like that first day, I like wrote far more words than I've ever written in one sitting. And I keep saying to people, I'm like, I don't know who that girl was. It wasn't me because I can't write that fast. I have no idea why it was so easy, but I think it was because I had the characters playing in my head for so long that it was just like, I was just so ready to get it down on paper. And then I started sharing about writing the book with all the people that have been watching the skit. So we kind of like all got to like do the excitement together and it kind of grew with everybody together. And it was just a very, very special experience. And now we're here and the book is out and that's bananas. Is there a specific skit where you were like, this this is it. I I remember thinking literally in the first one, I was like, because I was talking about it with people in the comments, like this would be a hilarious book. And I'm like, this would be a hilarious book. And I was already planning from that get go. It was like gradual things right from there. And I remember literally, I think I responded to somebody in that first video because it was just like short clips. There was no hint to romance. And somebody was like, are they in love? And I went, yeah, they are in love. The villain and his assistant are absolutely in love. They just don't know it yet. And originally it was like, this is what I think it would be like if I was the more like a fantasy villain's assistant, but you almost can watch it like stop being me and start being like a persona character, Evie, like this character that I would put on and be whenever I was like having a bad day. I was like, I'm just going to be Evie for a little bit for a video. And it was always like a nice way to get out of my head. So yeah, if I think from the beginning, sorry, got going off on a tangent, but I feel like from the from the beginning, I was like pretty, pretty set that I was going to write the story. I just didn't know when, where, why or how. I think that the, that day I started doing them in June and I think I started writing it in October. So after like months and months of building the story, I was like, I have to write this down or my brain is going to explode. <laughs> I have to do it. Did you refer to... The, the storyline, I mean, I guess in, in pieces, right? The TikToks yes. and the skits, were you like, when you were just typing everything out and writing thing, everything out, were you like, wait, was it skit, you know, 106 or 107 that I referred to, you know, XYZ, <laughs> when you were like, yeah. your, your reference points? Yes, I think I did go back and watch a ton of like, 
the beginning ones to like just get a feel for the vibe that I was going for when I put it all because I wanted it to translate well I wanted it to be like I wanted people that had seen the skits to be able to pick it up and read it and have the same feeling that they reading it that they had watching the skits like it makes you laugh you kind of love the characters you're it's wacky and funny and you're trying to figure out like what's going to happen next and there's villains and there's knights and there's heroes and all that stuff. So I, I knew I wanted to capture the essence of what the series was. But I did have in mind from the get-go that I didn't want to follow the storyline from the skits exactly because I wanted people that had seen the skits to be able to go in and read it and not know everything that's going to happen and kind of be surprised. But I wanted the characters to be exactly the same, the relationships, dynamics, the banter, and it's it's funny. I say banter. The skits are just me yelling at a wall. <laughs> like, the banter is with myself. <laughs> like, Your chemistry with yourself is amazing. Yes, off the charts. <laughs> off the charts. Thank, thank you. So I like yeah. When I would do those though, I remember thinking like this is what he would say back. Like this is how, how he would respond. So writing the book was super fun because it was like fulfilling that side of things for me that I hadn't been able to do. Like I remember the first chapter I wrote in his point of view. I was like kicking my feet and screaming and I put my laptop down and walked around the room and my parents thought I was losing it because <laughs> I like don't feel things quietly. I always say I come with sound effects because I'm like very loud <laughs> when I'm excited. So I'd be like typing and then I put it down and I'd go, oh my God! and I was like, I can't believe that happened. And my dad's like, you knew it was going to happen. Like you were going <laughs> to <down." laughs> And I'd be like, but I didn't know they were going to do that. Like, I didn't put it down, but I, I like, I can't explain it. I have been told that before where, like, my characters aren't listening to me and they're not doing this. And I'm like, what do you mean? You wrote them. How are they not? And I'm like, I get it now because I'll write stuff down. And I'm like, who did that? It wasn't me. <laughs> like, how did that happen? That seems like a common thing where people are like, I am just the person typing out the words. The characters, they they went on their own with that journey. Yeah, they do not listen. And I'll be like, you need to go here. And Evie is like, mm, I'm going to go here instead. And I'm like, that is not what I wanted you to do. <laughs> Can you listen to me, please? But they, it happens anyway. But speaking of writing, let's, let's get a little bit into the technical side of this. Are you a planner? Are you a plotter? What kind of writer are you? I am a full on uh, pantser. So mm. I am, and I, I think it makes sense because when I, like 80 to 90% of like the skits are improv. Like I did not know what I was going to say or do. I don't write them beforehand. I often just like turn on the camera and I'm like, let's see what comes out of my mouth. I don't know what it's going to be. We'll see what happens. So I, I feel like I thrive the most creatively when I'm not planning everything down to the detail. I have a lot of friends that plan everything out and it comes out so beautifully. I think for me, it stifles me sometimes if I over plan so now I'm kind of finding a happy medium because I'm working on book two now. So I had to like have somewhat of a plan going into book two. And I did have like a very loose outline for book one where it was like, these are points I'm going to hit. This is how it's going to end. This is something I need to include. This is something I need to include. But I left myself a lot of room to, to just play in between and just see where the story went and where the characters wanted to go. Um, so I, I think I am always going to be a pantser at heart. I think I have some planner tendencies now. Like I made like a concrete outline for book two and I was so proud of myself and I was like, look at me. And I, but I was so like non-committal. I kept putting in like parentheses, like this could change. Like this isn't for sure. Like, I don't know. So yeah, I'm definitely a pantser. I like, I like just seeing like what's going to happen. 
Because then I'm surprised too when I put it down. It leaves me guessing, entertained. <laughs> Do you feel like you have less freedom um, now that you're working on book two? I think it's actually the opposite. I thought that's how I would feel, but I feel like less stressed knowing that there's more of a plan here. Like book one, there was a plan, but book two just has, because it's continuing of the story. And I remember I planned out like this, there's a scene particularly in book two, like towards the beginning of the book, it's like a very big scene that I've had planned in my head since writing book one. I like remember being in the middle and being like, oh, I can't wait to read this scene. I'm so excited. So I think it's actually taken a little bit of the stress off because I also think I'm going to be writing this book in a shorter amount of time than I did with book one. Because when I was writing book one, I wasn't on any sort of timeline. Like I was only accounting to me. And now I account with my awesome publisher um, who is, you know, so amazing. and, And they work with me, obviously, on dates and deadlines and things like that. But yeah, there's definitely more of a, hey, I have to get this done in a certain amount of time. Whereas book one was more like, oh, we'll see when I finish. Who knows <laughs> like <laughs> when it'll get done. <laughs> so it does. I think it actually has taken a little bit of the stress off to have some of it planned. But again, I've left, I've left a lot of room to play in the middle, which is what I needed for myself for sure. Oh, excellent. Uh, yeah. Do you type? Do you dictate? How's your wrist? Oh, I am definitely having premature carpal tunnel. Most definitely. My mom has it. I'm fully prepared to get it. And I already feel it like I get numb pain in my wrist like all the time. Um, I still continue to type despite it. I'm not respecting my mom's boundaries at all. Um, I try to type with my wrist propped up when I do it just to save some wrist pain. And I often do type as well with uh, a brace on my wrist to keep it from getting like sore or actually like starting the process of carpal tunnel syndrome. Um, but yeah, I, I will sometimes dictate things down in my notes app when I'm like thinking of an idea or a quote that I'm like, Oh, I have to write that down right now. Like I remember I was working something out for book two and I was like going to bed. My laptop was like nowhere near the bed, but my phone was right there obviously. And I like shot out of bed because something that wasn't clicking finally clicked in my head. And I was like, Oh my God. And I like grabbed my phone and I was like talking out loud. And I was like, if anybody hears me, they're going to think, because what I was saying sounded insane. Like it sounded <laughs> like I had lost it. And I was like, this is not what it sounds like. This is a fictional. It's not real. And if you went to bed, you would have, for if you lost were like, it. Oh, yeah. I'll remember yes. in the morning, it wasn't going to happen. That's like, with, yes. like, I think Taylor Swift even does that. She'll like, do things like voice memos and then crash. And she was like, where did oh that come God, from? Oh my God, I didn't even know that. I'm honored that I shared that quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and especially, especially since you said uh, earlier in the episode that like sometimes you just have to get it out, right? You just have to get, yes. get this out of you. So um, that's why I asked about dictation. Like sometimes you're just like, ah, and have to scream at yes. something and, <laughs> and get it out and then play it back later and be like, huh, well. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And be like, Oh, thank God I put that down because I'll literally check my notes app and it's all, I have like such attention deficit issues. So I have, my notes app looks like checklists, random sentences that make no sense. And I'm like, what was I trying to say here? <laughs> like, I have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> but a lot of them are just like sentence fragments that I have like thought about that. I'm like, I want that in book two somewhere. I don't know where, but I want this quote in book two. And yeah, it's just full of like, full of that. Well, something something that I absolutely love that your book is full of, and I love so many things about your book, um, tropes. There are so many fantastic, fantastic tropes in this book. And I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you name a couple off the top of your head? 
I love I I love a jealousy trope for sure. And I think I I it was a subtle scene, but I also love when instead of a, a character getting like very outwardly angry, you know they're angry by how quiet they are. And I feel like that is the villain to a T. Like he is very quietly angry, but you know like stuff's happening beneath the surface. Who did this to you was one that I was like, if it fits, I'm definitely putting it in there. And it did. Thank God. And I was like, so excited writing that scene. And I was like, because I knew from the beginning where Evie has, and this is revealed pretty early on in the book. So Evie has a sort of magical scar. And then there's a scene where they, you know, sort of find out where it comes from. And I loved writing that scene. I also love uh, the trope where like a grumpy character meets like a little kid and has to encounter like a little kid. So I love, there's a scene where he meets her little sister and it's like, I was cackling writing that scene. I was like, this is, interaction is so funny to me. I loved it. So yeah, who did this to you? Grumpy Sunshine was like, obviously going in, I was like, this is the whole story is Grumpy Sunshine. But the other one I really wanted was found family. I love a found family trope. I, I was really set on having the characters like really bonded in a way, or at least setting up their bond to like flourish in the next two books. Um, yeah, I think off the top of my head, those were my favorites. But if you guys have any that you wanted to throw out, go ahead. I immediately, the, the hand clenching pride and I call it the pride and prejudice. Scene. Yes, yes, me too. I thought that was so good. I was just like making my, my arc. Like my coffee yes. just like has all these notes and I either sometimes I don't touch it. And I was like, I have to like write all over this book because it yes. was so fun. I love it. I love it. Yes. Yes. I, I, that scene, I think like changed everybody like <laughs> fundamentally <laughs> as a person. So anytime, but I remember like people asking me like, is there spice in this book? And I'm like, not really so much in the first one. There's so much tension. And I'm like, I'm the kind of person that like in Bridgerton season two, when their pinkies like went towards each other, I screamed. And I paused it and I took a laugh. Like that was too much for me. Like sometimes that's like, that makes me like shoot through the roof far more than uh, I love spicy books so much. But sometimes that tension gets me even more than like a really good spicy scene for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Jessica and I have been very deep in our Germani fan fiction. So we are oh, very, we're very into the slow burn, into the tension. I love it. Yeah, I we, love it. We, we understand. We understand. Uh, I have a question kind of um, pivoting from this. What was it like writing a male point of view? It was super fun. I, I don't think I've ever done it before. And like, I've had like manuscripts draft before that I've done. I don't think I've ever written from a male perspective before. But it was very fun because I love a dry character. I love characters that are very sardonic and like very sarcastic, but like so flat with their delivery that you're like, are you joking? I can't tell. Um, but I loved the contrast between like the things that he would say and do and then the internal struggle that he was having inside his head. And I think it was actually really a lot easier for me at times to write in his point of view than in Evie's because... I think so much of the skits was spent in Evie's point of view that when I sat down to write it, I was like waiting to like give his perspective on things and like how he's thinking about things um, and how he's thinking about her um, and how like their relationship develops, not just in from her like view of things, but from his view of things. 
which was actually too why like in the skits they hit a certain level of like progression in their relationship that they're obviously not in the books they're kind of starting at the beginning so when I started like writing the book in the skits they had already like gone through some of these like relationship hurdles and I had to like pull back and I, I was like oh See, it feels like sometimes that they're there because the skits were there, but I'm like, the, the book versions of them are not there yet, so I have to calm down a little There's bit. There's a lot of stuff they need to go through before they get to the book, in the book, yes, before yes, they get yes. to where they are yes. in present day. Yes, but the other part too was that I, I needed to pull them back even more because you haven't seen the villain's perspective about those hurdles. And I wanted people to be able to see like, this is what's going on in his head while this is happening and while like, he brushes her hand for the first time or like how he thinks about her privately in his own thoughts um, and how he deals with a relationship. So yeah, it was, it was honestly so much fun. I had a great time. I'm very excited to jump back into his point of view for book two. It was, it was probably the most fun I had when I was writing <laughs> for sure. So I guess my question would be when you think of your, your book series that you will have, and then you think of your skits, which is canon. The skits? I think the book is canon. And I almost want to think of it like Evie started a TikTok page ah. and she was like decided that she was gonna like make some of these funny videos uh based off of it. But in my mind, they're kind of two different versions of each other. Like they are the same and they are the same characters and they're the same world. Yeah, that's why like sometimes when I'll do the videos, I have like a headcanon in my head that I haven't shared with anyone, but I'll share it with you guys. And- Everybody else as well. Sometimes when I make the videos, because I have made videos before where I'm like all of the characters, but I like, I have little outfits for like each, like the villain has like a black pea coat that I wear. And then I like to lower my voice to like talk like him. And then Blade has like a beanie because he's a bro. And I like Tatiana has a crown because she's a queen. And Becky has her glasses, obviously. And I'll do those videos. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, my head canon is that this is just Evie's TikTok page. And she is making fun of all of her coworkers <laughs> and dressing up like them. And just like saying like, this is this is like a real thing that happened today. But I'm just going to show you guys by like dressing up like them and doing the videos. So yeah, I think it's like one of those things where, and there's a scene in the book too. And I don't know if you guys caught it where she, they're like bickering and she's like, huh. I feel like people would watch us do this. And he's like, no, that would be insane. (laughs) We love a fourth wall break. (laughs) Yes. There's definite salutes to the series throughout the book that what I intended to be like, you'll catch them if you've seen the skits. If you haven't, it'll just go over your head. It won't be like anything you're confused about or anything like that. Yeah, I think in my mind, the books are what's canon. And then the series is almost like its own thing, but also could also be Evie just taking some creative liberties and having a good time. (laughs) I love that you see it as Evie having a... It's almost like how we do with other fandoms where we've given them personalities, even Mm -hmm. though we're like, that is not in the book. But this is absolutely, (laughs) totally makes sense. Because you also translate that into the book, even when she'd be like, hey, Blade, hey, Dragon. And even just like the long drawn, I was like, I heard that. I heard that. (laughs) It translates really well in the book. That was so important to me that that one part was in there because originally I forgot to like add it. And then I was going back and I was like, she has to greet the dragon the way that she does in the skits. Or I will be very, very sad if that's not in here. So I'm so glad you got that. That makes me so happy. 
So we obviously love villains here, all three of us, so much. And I love, I'm not going to give it away because we're not doing spoilers here, but I love this twist that you've got in this. This book was just fantastic. I love the twist on so many levels. And I love that everyone has kind of a different definition of a villain, right? Evie's like, well, you're not really bad. And he's like, well, but it's like, well, but then, but then, but then, but then, but then when it is, when things happen and things are actually, you know, plot and bad and things happen, you're just like, oh, Mm." because it's nice because, um, and I'm being vague, but that in and of itself kind of turns a trope on its head, which I really very much enjoy. I'm glad. I'm yes. glad. And that was really the intention behind it was that we, right, we all think of villains as a certain way. And then some people think of themselves in this one scope. But at the end of the day, nobody is entirely innocent and nobody is entirely, well, some people are very guilty. But I mean it in the way that like we're all capable of like, doing really, really good, wonderful things. And we're all capable of doing not so great, wonderful things. And sometimes that's on purpose. Sometimes that's like not intentional. Part of being a human is like you make mistakes and you mess up and then you use that as a learning tool to like go forward in life. But it was really important to me that that was emphasized in the story because it's a story about a villain's perspective of things. But in a way, we're already humanizing him from the get-go because you're getting his perspective and you're seeing like how he's these things. And that blurs the line a little bit of what it means to be a hero and what it means to be a villain. Because from the villain side of things, the heroes are like a huge antagonist and annoyance. And I'm sure from the hero side of things, which we'll get a little bit more of in book two, um, from the hero side of things, it's quite the opposite. So it was really important to me to kind of take what we consider to be good and kind of ask questions about what that means without spoiling what happens at the end. But yeah, that was kind of like where it was going. And I'm I'm so glad that that translated. (laughs) So well, so so well. It was like, it was such a joy. The whole book was such a pleasure to read. The tone is very unique uh, to me and into the, into the books that I read. Um, I don't read a lot of like um, romance or like contemporary romance or any sort of, any sort of books like that, I should get better. Yeah. Uh, but Jess, Jess, you, that is like very much your genre. So this is the most beautiful, perfect blend yeah. of, of romance and like fantasy, romanticy. Uh, it hits everything for me. So hitting the correct tone, was that something that you really wanted to make sure that you nailed? Because you hit heavy topics here, but they do kind of... Um, skate on not humor but like it's not as serious as it could be even though it is super serious yes I levity in life is like a very big principle that I live by because I struggle with mental health issues I, I there's a lot of things that make it hard for me to do certain things or for my brain to function in a like in a typical pattern and humor has always been how I've coped with that. It makes things easier for me to bear when I can laugh at them or laugh about them. Like I'll talk, this is so bad, but I'll talk about something that's like, sounds pretty traumatizing with like a friend, but I'll be like giggling and laughing while I talk about it. And they're like, and if they don't cope with humor the way I do, I have a lot of friends that will like meet me there and be like, oh yeah. And they'll start making those jokes back that I have friends that haven't had that experience or will cope a little differently with things like that. And they'll be like, are you okay? Why are you laughing? They look at you like, 
that's not normal. Like, you're like, what do you mean laugh through it? Like, I've only laughed through my pain for the last however many years. You're supposed to be matching this. No, no. Anybody? Okay. I thought we were friends. Yes, Yes, literally. And I think it's it's so important to like process things and like really feel them so that you can move forward in life. I, I really very much believe that. But I don't think there's anything that says that we can't try to find like some humor in it to be able to make it a little bit easier to bear. Um, so I think that's really how I go into writing as well, where I'm like, this scene, this is a scene that could be very stressful and very hard to take, but I'm going to lighten the load of it a little bit by everybody's going to make a joke because I would make a joke about it. I would, I would try to laugh my way through it so that I have an easier time kind of processing what's happening. It also makes my, my brain understand it better when I'm able to like humor it because I'm like, all right, but I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh it off. And sometimes there's times where it's absolutely not a time to laugh. It's a time to just like cry. And I hope like I touched on those points in the book as well. But again, there's, I have that upswing always where I'm like, all right, I'm hitting a low, but I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm sometimes at my funniest when I'm the most depressed somehow. Ironically enough. Like I always, we, my friends and I make that joke when my depression is acting up and I'm feeling that kind of numb or like, it's hard for me to give my brain that dopamine serotonin boost. I'm suddenly like the funniest person ever. Like I am, I'm, I don't know why. And my friends will be like, I'm so sorry. You're so sad. You are cracking me up right now. And I'm like, I'm glad I'm making other people. I feel like some of the best artists have those. Like, I, I love Kelly Clarkson. I love Lady Gaga. I love some of the best artists. And they'll be like, oh, they went through something terrible. We're going to get a hell of an album out of this. Like, you're so like, but I feel bad. But like the art that comes from it. So you're in good company. I know. Well, it's so true. And you know what? It's like those moments. And I'd had those moments writing the books. And sometimes like my favorite scenes would come out of when I wasn't feeling great. And I'm like, it it feels really healthy in some ways to be able to channel some of that into like creation, into creating something. And it actually is kind of beautiful to take like a really horrible, bad feeling and put it into something that makes other people feel happy and joy. And so like, yeah, it's painful for a minute, but what comes out of it sometimes and not always, but what often comes out of it is, is joy and laughter. And and then later I can look back at those moments and, and be able to laugh about them and be like, Oh, you know what? That was a hard day, but I got through it. I survived it. And I got up the next day and I, I laughed about it. So it's, yeah, I think that was really important to me going into the book. I wanted it to be funny in the places where I could. Um, and I wanted it to be joyful in the places where it was uh, appropriate um, or where it would, add a little levity and make it a little bit easier to to take for myself and for the reader. Like it was writing some of those scenes like that were a little more difficult were kind of hard for me where I'd need to take a break, but the humor would lighten it for me and hopefully lighten it for other people as well. Have you worked in an office? No, I haven't. Ironically, or kind of. So I was a, a social emotional uh, learning teacher for the last two years. Um, I left it and I'm doing a different job now. Um, but it was, it was literally my favorite thing. I loved it so much, but I would literally only go into the office because I was school based. So I would go into the schools and I would teach about empathy and managing our big feelings, all stuff that I was like, it's probably good that I'm teaching this because this is stuff that I could probably stand away as well. Um, but I would only go into the office when I had to like print something or, or, uh, get like supplies for the school. So I actually have never worked in an office before. 
<laughs> but I have watched a lot of The Office, <laughs> which, you know, obviously not the same thing because that I imagine that's not how I feel like it is too. And I like from what I hear of other people who watch The Office who work in offices, I think that's pretty standard. Like everybody is kind yeah. of like a caricature of like the people that they work right. with. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the found family of the coworkers that you've created, speaking of the office. And before I forget, I'm going to make the point, uh, speaking to you here, lovely, lovely. My thoughts speaking to you are, uh, is, is Evie's skits kind of like her therapy for working at the office? Cause you say she's dressing up as all these characters. Is she, is this her therapy? Literally like a headcanon. You just started the headcanon. We're going to make it a thing. Absolutely. <laughs> that just came to me. I love it. Yes. So that's the headcanon. Absolutely. <gasps> I love it. Um, amazing. She's got to get it all out. I'm thinking about Becky finding out about Evie's TikTok, TikTok now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that. That's a that, video. That, yeah. I mean- that is a <laughs> <laughs> because Becky and all of her representation is like, get the camera out of my face. <laughs> and to know that Evie has been like oh say, doing this this whole time, this is like so- she's like what? <sighs> oh my god! I'm like planning all my head. I gotta do that video. Now. I have to. I have to. It's too fun. It's too good. It's too good. But their their relationship too is like one of my favorite things. You are too good. You are just too fantastic and talented because you took the question out of my mouth. That is exactly what I was going to say. What was it like? Because female friendships are very important here at Akafe. Yes. So we have we have our relationship with Becky. We know what that is. And then we have like our, our relationship with everyone else. And it is wonderful that... Uh, we have female friendships, but we also have, we have like male camaraderie. We have like positive male friends too. You know, we're all up in there together. We're all bonding. Um, it is a very healthy work environment, I would say, um, just from like, like fun dynamics. So the friendships there, um, do you have a favorite part to write? And is it friendships? I do love friendships and I love particularly female friendships. And something that I've always loved in media is when two female characters start off like really not vibing and not liking each other. And then they slowly grow into like each other's ride or die. So I'm not going to say that's what's happening with Evie and Becky, but (laughs) it's, I really do love like when you start off, like, especially when you're from another character's perspective, like, as somebody compared it, and I was like, this is the perfect comparison, their relationship to Elle Woods and Vivian from Legally Blonde. And I was like, that is exactly it. Because Becky, Becky's really only gripe in life is that she just wants order. Like she just wants everything like in its place. And she wants people to follow the rules that have been set out because that's what makes sense to her. And so like Evie is kind of the epitome of everything that stresses her out. <laughs> And vice versa, like Evie doesn't like things to be too orderly. And that's sort of like not how she functions on a normal level, where she's kind of disordered chaos, like it figures it out as she goes. Um, So they have kind of a natural animosity because they are so different. But there is a level of like, all right, I know we say some nice stuff to each other sometimes, but I don't want anything bad to happen to you. (laughs) 
<laughs> and that's kind of where we're starting with that. Well, and I, and I don't think I'm giving anything away here because it's even said, you know, in like the first half of the book where stuff has happened. Uh, Evie is not at her desk at the moment. And, uh, and, um, the villain, I won't say his name because his name is disclosed in the book. Um, <laughs> he goes to Becky and he, and he's like, you want Evie back at that particular desk? And she's like, yeah. well, no, but like the fair thing to do it. Yeah. She was like putting her personal emotions aside, but like it's what's right. Right. That's, that is my other thing that I love about Becky is that she is very consistent. Like she's fair. Like she doesn't always like it, but she is always going to be fair. And she shows kindness in a very subtle, quiet way. And she'll continue to do that through book two. And you'll find out more about her backstory, which is actually absolutely wild <laughs> in book two, um, especially compared to like how she is now compared to like where she came from, which I'm excited to like reveal that and give people more on her because I really do love her as a character. She's got a lot going on. And I like characters that like you, you grow to love them. Like you start off being like, Oh, what is their problem? And then you're like, oh, I would do anything for them. <laughs> and I think I'm there already. Cause like, I know everything that's going to happen. Um, but yeah, I love Becky. I love the whole dynamic with the whole group. I love writing friendships so, so much. Um, I especially love like all the group scenes of them all together. I really want more of those in book two because they're just all the most funny. I think when they're all in one place, like just ribbing each other and it's fantastic. <laughs> so we will talk a little bit about book two and a little bit beyond, uh, but still here in book one. So did you have like a specific sticking point in book one that just like, it wasn't working there just, it wasn't connecting. It was keeping you up at night. Like, was there a point here or was it just wonderful? There was the scene that I had the most trouble with first. I don't know why, but it's the scene where Evie finds that thing underneath the villain's desk. Mm. And then it's very stressful for the next like two chapters about like what's going on. That scene, I don't know why, gave me so much grief because I think I had it like very cinematically in my head playing out. And because it was so cinematic, I think I was having trouble like detaching from like the visual in my head and just like getting the appropriate words down to describe like what's going on. Um, that scene, I think, gave me the most grief out of anything or that that's the one I had a lot of trouble with. But it ended up I what I did was I wrote like a version of it that I didn't love. And then I kept going. And then I went back and I worked on it until it was fixed. And then it and then I ended up loving it. I ended up thinking like, Oh, great. It worked out exactly as it was supposed to. But for some reason, I was like, something about this is not driving right. I don't know what. And then I moved on. And then after I got like a fresh perspective, I was able to go back and, and fix it and, and fix it up the way I wanted to. And it also super supremely helped having like editors look at it and editors are incredible because I can see a blank page and like type, 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 type and put everything down. But sometimes I'll go back and I'll be like, something's not working and I don't know what it is. And editors are so fantastic because they'll look at it and they'll go, that's what's not working. Like after two seconds of looking at it and you're like, I've been staring at this for <laughs> two weeks. And you figured that out in less than 30 seconds. So see teamwork because that process yes. with anything, like sometimes I know um, Laura and I will go off. I'm like, something isn't, something isn't sticking here. And I'll, I'll go like, even for like work stuff. I'm like, something's here. And then she's like, what about this? What about, it's like, it's, it's such a, 
like pull I, I don't know the expression like give and take situation yes push and pull give and take yeah because you ultimately like want that end goal of like we want to be concise we want to keep it tight because like you were saying and we'll get into this also about like the cinematic like visual you're like how do i get that on paper so you just have to like right. word vomit everything and then so like okay well where do we go from here yes Yes, exactly. And I do. I love the creative collaborative experience. This was like my first experience with it because this is my first book. And my edit uh, editorial team is so fantastic and so smart and good at what they do that and they were so like, good about like the give and take like they would give me something but they let me have the room to be like, okay, I'm going to take that and put it here. And this is what I'm going to do with that note. And this is what I'm going to do with that note. And and yeah, it was, I, it was so much fun because I'm like, I feel like we're all like working together to make this like the best version of itself. And it was honestly so much fun. Like I, I had just a blast working with them. And I think I just have like an exceptionally great team of uh, people working on it with me and that are like super kind and creative. So yeah, it was, it was really fun. And I think anything in life, like it's not even just in regards to books, like when you, when you're working as a team, it's so nice when it's like collaborative and everybody's giving something to the table. And yeah, it was great. I loved it. I was going to ask, like, what is your editing process? Do you, do you just read it through, line on its page, all, all, all of that? Um, do you use red? What do you like? How do you do it? So when I first did it, I finished the book, I think, uh, not this past March, but the March before. And I did one round of edits totally on my own. And I had decided I was tossing up for a while, which um, route I would want to try for publishing. There's so much merit to both. I, I always say it's like, it's just really what's best for each individual, because there's so much merit to both ways of publishing. I decided that I wanted to go the traditional route. So I started doing like all the research into it, like querying and stuff. So I did a round of edits. And then when I ended up signing with my agent, who is amazing, um, we went through together that summer and we went and he gave me all of these amazing notes. Um, they were all, and again, they were all taken as like suggestions, things that he thought would like just give a little more here or like give a little less here or up the pace here or think like things like that. Nothing, nothing that would change the integrity of the story, all stuff that would just make it better. Um, so when I went through and edited it, I tried to just keep it, um, uh, like to the things that I knew I could fix on my own um, before working with an editor, because again, editors are just so important to that process. Um, and then, yeah, and then we worked on it together. And then once we signed with our team at Entangled and Red Tower, um, they gave me a, a editor letter with like developmental edits we did first. So we discussed like moving scenes, like the prologue is Evie and the villain first meeting, for example. Um, that was originally like set as a flashback in like the first few chapters. And they were like, what if we pushed it forward and made it the prologue? And I was like, that's a great idea. Cause it's one of my favorite scenes. One and two, it was, it was, I just thought it was like a fantastic thing to present that first. So you get like the meeting as soon as you read the book. Um, so things like that, like moving scenes, there were scenes that I myself, like after reading it through a couple of times was like, this isn't working anymore. I don't like it in this version of the draft. Now it I'm taking it out or I'm rewriting it completely. Or I'm keeping just this one line and writing the whole scene around this one line. Um, yeah, so there was stuff I like redid, I rewrote um, for the first couple rounds of editing. And then eventually we got down to line edits where we just 
or like moving like one word or like grammatical stuff and things like that. So yeah, it was a very, I think my editing experience was super collaborative. Uh, it was very much like they'd give me a note. I would say, okay, this is going to work or this isn't going to work. And if I could make it work, I would try to figure out where it would work, things like that. Yeah. So that was kind of the process for me. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. I cannot take constructive criticism. I cry. So um, you are better than I. <laughs> so that's, you know what? There's, it's, it's not always like, I think after the first few times, when I saw the editor letter for the first time, I, I just have anxiety all the time. And it was so like, it was a very kind, it was, there was nothing like abrasive about it. I was just like, Oh gosh, that's a lot of words. And, I, and then I would like overwhelm myself. But I talked to a lot of my friends that have been published and that have been through that part of the process. And they're like, it's not a big deal. Like, I promise you, this is just part of it. And I, I think I got to the point where I was like, I love this project so much to the point where it's, it, it became much easier for me to just put my ego aside for a second and be like, what's going to work best for the story and not what I think might be the right thing. And I would always end up thinking it was the right thing. If it was the right thing to, uh, to the story, I'd be like, no, it, it 100% is what needs to happen for this to work perfectly or not perfectly work in the best way it can work for the scene for this book um yeah but oh my gosh constructive criticism is great I definitely it sometimes lands really well for me and sometimes I'm like I understand what you're saying that's great I'm gonna go cry (laughs) but I think it also again I have such an amazing team so it never landed it was always super kindly put and it was always for the betterment of the book. So it was never like, it never felt like, oh, it always felt like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Let's put, I'll put my ego aside for a second and be like, yep, that makes sense. Let's do that. Um, yeah. So it, it depends on the time and where I'm at mentally, <laughs> the way it's going to land for sure. <laughs> and something that Jess and I were talking about before we started recording is that um, your talents of a writer obviously are so great. Thank you. The world that you built here is oh, so I know fantastic exactly where you're going with this now. <laughs> that we, Jessica and I, have decided that we need to see it on screen. Don't you think so, Jess? <laughs> yes. So, like, one thing that we do on the podcast a lot is sometimes we'll read a book and we're like, don't make this into anything. And then sometimes we'll be like, absolutely make this into something. And this was, a, we were like, we have the studios picked out. Like we were like, okay, it comes oh down God, to this. It. We were like, it comes down to these studios. And then prior, like we are like neurotic nerds. Um, and we were like doing research and we were like, I don't know if this is out there yet, but a very, like, one of the imprints of your book, um, one of the international imprints specifically has already like, Put it out there. Books one, two, and three, 2023, 20, 2024, 20, 20, 25. And we were like, oh my gosh. Like, we are already like TV development stage, like, like <laughs> TV adaptation or like a three part trilogy. Like, we were already yes. like, this is going to be the streaming services. Granted, a lot of things need to be, you know, settled with strikes right now. Sure. <laughs> um, but, but I love it. We're going to manifest. We're manifesting. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And we were, but like, we were like, are we jumping? Are we jumping ahead here? Or is that even where your mind is? Or you're like, I just want to tell my story. I just want you to finish book two. <laughs> I think I'm thinking so in terms of the story, but people ask me all the time, like, who would you fan cast as the characters? And I'm like, oh, I really have to think about this though, because I don't want to mess it up. And I'm like thinking about it so seriously. 
And we were like all totally joking about it on vacation because my brothers, their favorite thing to do as like, this is like their, their running joke is that my brother thinks he would be like the most amazing casting director ever. He was like, I would, I would slay. I would do so, or he, the slay was me. He doesn't say slay. But he was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, he could. <laughs> He could. He absolutely could. And honestly, I don't know what he does in his private time. He might say slay in his private time. Who knows? <laughs> but he he was like convinced he would be like the best casting director ever. And we were discussing uh, my book on our family vacation. He was like, all right, tell me what they all look like. I'll cast them all. And I was like, all right, go ahead. And he was like, all right, Evie, Evie, Audrey Plaza. And I was like, I feel like Audrey Plaza might be too. She might be a better Becky. Like Evie's more. <laughs> I was like, Evie's like, like bubbly. And my little brother was like, Jacob, you're an idiot. Just from New Girl. Like, obviously, <laughs> it's that type of character. And I'm like, they they were just like tossing ideas around. And then we were all hysterically laughing about it. And then we started like jokingly casting them with like wrong answers only. And it got like, it was like Danny DeVito. I was like, That's <laughs> exactly where my head went. You said wrong answers only. I was like, Danny DeVito. <laughs> I love Danny DeVito. I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, totally. But we also, I was laughing really hard too because uh, I had, and I hadn't seen Ted Lasso until after, like, I just watched it a few months ago and I was so obsessed with it. I thought it was like such a fantastic show. Have you guys seen it? I have, yeah. I haven't. Oh, it's Jessica, you have I to know, watch it. I know, I know. There's too I'm many sure streaming everybody. services. I, know, I don't I know. have enough money. <laughs> <laughs> but you could get a free trial on Apple TV and then just binge it because it's over. Like the show ended. It was only three seasons, which is unfortunate because it was so fantastic. But Roy Kent in that show is so like very the villain coded. Because I was trying to explain to my brothers like what the villain's like because they haven't read the book yet. And I was like, do you like think Roy Kent? Like where like he repels feelings, but he still is like super soft secretly and does like all of these nice things for people. And then I was like, and that's funny too, because Evie's very like Keely, but I think that's because they're like very grumpy sunshine, Roy and Keely. And then so is Evie and the villain. So yeah, we've, we've like joked about it and like talked about it. Nothing, nothing concrete or anything, but like, yeah, we could manifest it, talk it into the universe. I think that would be amazing if that was ever an opportunity. Absolutely. That would be so cool. I would love it. I love it. And you know what? Why not? Why not? Put it out there. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. why not? Why not? So why don't you tell us what you can, what you can uh, about book two and uh, future plans, right? Yeah. Yeah. So in book two, you're, so I, in book one, we kind of get a hint of like, there's like our central conflict in book one, which is like someone in the office is betraying the villain to the heroes and they have to figure out who's doing it. There is in book one, the start of like a bigger overarching plot that's going to carry us through the next two books. You're going to learn a lot more about what that's all about in book two. There's definitely going to be more evolution of Evie's character from where she started potentially into villainy. I don't know. She might get a little darker in book. I've been listening to a lot of look what Ma- look what you made me do while I've been mapping out scenes. <laughs> if that's any indication, um, yeah, you're gonna get definitely more uh, some of our like side characters. You're gonna get more of their backstories. You might get other perspectives in this book besides Evie and the villain. Um, definitely gonna learn more about the heroes side of things as well in this book. Um, yeah, and you might learn more about some of Evie's family members in this next one too. So. Yeah. Interesting. I had a question. We know there's romance. We know there's pining. 
Did you expect it to be as politically like I feel like there's a lot of politics involved compared to like how the story essentially started off with the skits. Like I was so surprised and I and I love romance, I love fantasy, I love the blending of the two, but I feel like if you're not a romance person, you can read this book and have so much enjoyment. And if you are, there's it's not like there's no romance at all. There's, there's such a good balance for wherever genre you came from. Were you expecting to have as much politics as you did? Uh, so yes and no. I knew that it would be different from the skits in the way that like, there's like the skits are really just a romance. Like that's the whole point of them. It's like, yeah, there's like some some arching plot lines and some storylines that I would pave throughout that were a little bit more like, Ooh, like what's going to happen next. Um, but yeah. And I kind of knew that that needed to be the case because if we were going deeper into these characters and deeper into like the quote unquote heroes, like what is their side of things? Why is the villain doing what he does? Because in the skits, we don't know why he wants to be the villain, why he is the villain. Um, so it'll make the story make sense and to like make the plot work as well. Um, I knew that there needed to be a little bit more in terms of like why the heroes do what they do. Why is the villain doing what he's doing? And why are they all fighting? (laughs) Why are they all mad at each other? So I knew that needed to be part of it. Um, I wasn't positive going forward, like exactly what it was going to be there. There's a, like an overarching principle throughout all three of the books that I knew I wanted to be consistent Um, and that was, you've kind of seen a little bit of it in book one, especially at the end where we're kind of blurring the lines between the two. Cause like, what does it mean to be a hero? What does it mean to be a villain? And is that just objective? Like from where you're looking at the two, like, is it actually a villain or is it actually a hero or is it depending on which side you're standing on? And you're going to kind of see more of that in books to come, but I knew that that was going to be a big theme throughout at the beginning. I just wasn't the concrete ideas of it weren't fully unfurled yet in my head when I first started, but they kind of unraveled as the story went. And as I started to build the plot. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Um, Confirmed trilogy. Yes. 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 Uh, confirmed Yay. trilogy. So is there a scene or I know, I know you talked about a little bit in the beginning um, about book two, but is there a scene that you have in your head that's going to happen in like book two or even book three that you're just like, I cannot wait. I think I have some scenes in book three that I'm really stoked about. And I, I did this when I did book one or when I like, I'm starting to draft book two. So I'm like already thinking about book three and I'm like, chill, you have like, you've got to do this first. <laughs> before you can get there. But I'm always, it's like, it's like when you're writing something and you you get a new idea and then you're like, what if I put this down? And start doing this? It's the same thing with these books, but I'm like, I literally can't get to that until I do this. So I have to sit and finish this first. So do you have like a, like a, like a murder, like a, I use this air quotes, <laughs> a murder board where you have like strings and lines and it's the crazy meme where you're just like, wait, I need to just like, I have this idea. I need to put it down so I don't forget about this idea and I will come back to you, but we have to focus on this other world, right? That is why my notes up. I'm not kidding. If people go into it, it is horribly embarrassing because it is just to-do lists and then random lines. There's a makeshift map I made at the beginning to like map out the continent that Renadon's on. And I was like drawing it and it's so, it looks like a two-year-old did it. 
And it like, because I, I taught first graders. I'm like, my first graders draw better than this. And I, this is so sad. <laughs> so yeah, I have like a ton of like scenes planned, written out, or like just the loose idea of them in like the notes app on my phone. So it does look a little bit like, like somebody just like drank a Red Bull and went in there and was like, let's see what, what's going to come up with. <laughs> um, yeah, the, there's two scenes, particularly in book two, that I'm like, just so so excited about that like I think about them every day to the point where I almost don't want to write them because I'm like I don't want to mess it up what I have in my head <laughs> I don't want to ruin it because it's so perfect in my head and I know when I write it down for the first time it's not going to be perfect because there's even now I like I don't think anything is ever truly perfect but I'm like as perfect as I can get it before I'm like all right that's enough I can't do anymore I've done what all I can do um yeah, it's a scene towards the beginning. And it very much is a scene without spoiling any of it, a very much a scene that is a super salute to like all of my favorite fairy tales coming to fruition. But again, I'm flipping it on its head, like completely. Um, so I'm actually very excited to read that scene. And then there's another scene that I, I hinted at on TikTok, like, and I know no one's going to remember it unless somebody like is really paying attention, <laughs> like a couple of years ago. And I, I posted the scene and I wanted it to fit in book one, but it just didn't. And I was like, this is going to book two. I can't wait. And I know exactly where I was going to put it. So yeah, I have some scenes that I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for them. Mostly book two. I do have book three scenes in mind, but I have to rein myself in because I'm going to lose it. <laughs> Excellent. Now that, okay, so you're focusing on book two, you're promoting book one. Are you putting like a pin in book two so you could focus on like the publicity of it all or are you like wait I can't like is how much crossover are you allowing yourself to have in your writing process I think I'm trying to let myself do both right now but I'm not doing both every day so if I know that I'm like shooting something for TikTok that's promoting like book one I'm like I'm not going to do any writing today because it's just not going to it's just going to mess my brain up and I'm going to be confused <laughs> Um, I think I'm pretty good at keeping them separate because one is promotion and one is like drafting and I missed drafting like so much. I think I got to the point in the editing process where it was, it was like daunting at times, of course, because editing just is, but it was also fun at times because you kind of watch a scene come together and when it comes together, like just the way you want it, you're like, finally, I'm all done. Yay. Like it's so gratifying. But it, there's something to be said for drafting when you just sit down and you just like type and you don't stop. And if you're like, oh, that's not good. And you're like, I can go back and fix it later. That's a problem for future Hannah. Like, I don't have to do that right now. Um, that's for, for me later. And then me later curses past me. But that's a whole different debacle. I usually just keep typing. I love the different versions. It's very like you're, you're able to compartmentalize. I love that. We, that's usually what we do here. I'll be like, cry, you know, it's like crying on a text, but like you're on and sending memes in a DMs <laughs> with the same people. Like true words never spoken. Cause I will be having like a very like heated conversation with somebody. And then I will like in my group friend text be like sending like a funny meme and like completely different. Like I'm like, all right, I'm here. I'm, I'm here. And they're two different things. And it's okay. Yeah, I think honestly, even just discussing book one is kind of giving me motivation for book two. So sometimes I can use it as like, oh, here's a boost because I'm really excited about book one and people are starting to read it and enjoy it, which makes me feel happy and like more excited to like get that version down so that people can read book two. 
um, yeah, so I think a certain level of it, I separate a little bit, but it, nothing significant, not like where I need to do it, like to an extreme extent where it's like super uh, stifling, unless there's like an event. I have an event in Pittsburgh that I know that in on September 9th, and I know I'm not going to write it all that day because I'm going to be like, um, first of all, I get so much social anxiety. Like I'm so excited to be doing these events. I'm so grateful and I'm so, so excited. I just always have to like brace myself a little bit before I meet new people because I always worry about what I'm going to say. <laughs> Is there like a tour? Because I think you posted on your socials about Pittsburgh. But do you have like, are you doing like a whole national tour? Like, what's that look like for you? So there's no tour planned at the moment. We have some events planned and some, um, some, I'm going to be at a polycon. So and some other things that we're discussing that haven't been announced yet. Um, Some so some events like scattered throughout planned. Um, a lot in PA because that's where I'm from. Um, and I'm based like near Philly. So that's uh, where primarily we're doing those events. But yeah, Pittsburgh is like the biggest one right now. And then the day of the book, we're actually doing an event at the Barnes and Noble in my hometown, like where I grew up, like mm-hmm. the one I grew up going to, which is really cute. And a lot of my friends and family are going to come to that one. And that will be feel like, I think, Actually, that one might be like more nerve wracking because I'm like, I know all these people. (laughs) It's easier when you don't know anybody. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, like the the opportunities I've had to meet people, we did an event in Austin with some of my uh, some of my my book talk author friends um, at Book People, and it was so much fun. And I met like so many like really nice people, and I I my nerves went away very quickly because everyone was super kind and like super nice, and it made me feel like oh I'm I'm immediately more comfortable. I just like my brain is just like oh you're gonna say something dumb, and then you're gonna be like later. It's going to be one of those things where it's like a 3 a.m. thought where you like wake up in a cold sweat. And you're like, oh, why I did I say that? <laughs> Which is so annoying because nobody, nobody else cares about what you said that you think was a silly thing to say. Like you think about it 90 times more than that person probably already forgot. And it probably wasn't even. Hard. I don't know. I've. You can you can convince yourself that they're like, and they're holding that against me because I said these things. Yes. That's what it is. Yes. I love I love my yes. job. Yes, yes. So I feel like I'm like almost when I like I'm gonna do an event, I feel like I'm almost need to be like, I'm sorry everybody for anything I said. <laughs> like if I, if I start rambling, I'm so sorry. Like yeah, I, I I'm really, really excited about it because every time that I've met someone that's a follower or that's like excited about the book, it always like I just am so honored and like flattered that anyone even knows who I am. Two people I did an event with Rebecca Yaros in Pittsburgh which was really fun. I got to interview her about fourth playing and two of the people that were in the audience knew who I was and came up and they were like, will you sign a book play for me? And I was like, you want me to sign a book? Okay. Like I was, I like was like almost crying and they were like, yeah. And I'm like, these poor girls are like, can you sign a book play? And I'm like, me? Thank you so and they had like a book plate ready for ready you. Ready for you. Yes, it was so. I was. I almost wanted to be like, "Do you guys want to sign mine?" <laughs> oh, like yearbook exchanges. That'd be so. Yes. That's like what I was like so flattered and honored, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I'm like was crying in the bathtub two days ago, and now somebody's asking me for my signature. That's um yeah it's super it's super amazing like this is your platform this is your episode what do you want um us to know um the listeners to know um you can buy this everywhere um barnes and noble books a million amazon kindle like it's on yes, going to be an yes. ebook right yes 
Yes, an audiobook as well, which is so amazing and so important. So I'm so glad that that's an option. Um, yeah, and it's also out um, in the UK and I believe Australia as well on September 14th. Oh, they're pretty, they're being released pretty close together. That's nice. Yeah, yeah, which is super awesome. And they, that team has been so amazing as well. And the excitement has been like unreal. And I just got actually a box of like all the UK editions and I was like, holding them up and I'm like, oh my gosh, it says pounds on the back. <laughs> that for some reason made me cry. I don't know why. I like saw that and I was like, oh my God, like people in England are going to in the UK and Australia, like and other places. And it's, it is being translated into a few other languages, which is so like absolutely unreal. I'm like, that just for me is like too surreal where like I can't really fully process what's happening because people all the time are like, how are you feeling? And I'm like, I feel like my brain is not processing that this is real. Like, I think my head thinks that this is not actually happening. Like, at what point does it start? Like, you have the book, everybody's talking about it, and you're like, but is it still, like, at what point, or do you just keep pinching yourself? Like, this is yes. actually my life. Yeah, I think when I, I think it started to feel incredibly, like, it's it felt a little bit more real with each step of the way. I think the moment that I was like, oh, wow, this is like a full thing. I, was when I like got the box of like the the books in the mail and I like held the, I was like holding them and then my dad was holding one and then we were all like hysterically crying because my parents have like seen me through a lot of ups and downs in life like mental health can be not just hard for person dealing with it but also for your the loved ones the people that care about your well-being that's it's hard for them as well to help you cope with all that and my parents are like the most support. I'm very, very fortunate. They're like incredibly supportive. My dad took me to like my first bookstore when I was younger and I finally got into reading. He was so excited. He was like, let's go. I'll buy you a book or I'll buy you a couple books. Like we'll go. And he bought me like the entire Percy Jackson series. And I was so obsessed with it. And I finished the whole thing in like two weeks in like sixth grade. And he was like, let's go get you another one. Like, let's, let's go back. And he was like, we can go to the library. And and my mom was the same way. Like they were both incredibly, incredibly supportive of it. So it did feel real when I was sharing it with them, because they were such a big support for me through every up and down in my life. They've, they've been like my two pillars that like have kept me going through everything. And same thing. I have three brothers that are all like, wildly supportive and and just like the best people and they're they just shit they make me excited because i'll i'll have like an anxiety moment where i always want to find like oh but this could go wrong and this could go wrong and this could go wrong they're like stop this is cool you wrote a book it's published like people are going to read it that's cool just let it be a good thing and let yourself enjoy it and they kind of like ground me in that and make me feel like even more excited about things which is so great um, and the people that like, honestly, the community of people on TikTok that, that have been into assistance to the villain, like either from the beginning or like joined later always make me so excited because everyone is so encouraging and kind and it's just a great community of people. So I just feel very, very fortunate. Like I'm a very, very, very lucky, lucky person to be in this position. And I try to like 
I try to just like show gratitude every day for it because I'm, I am so, so grateful that I'm here. And I'm getting like teary. Sorry. No, we're so, honestly, we are so grateful that you are taking the time. And we're so like, honestly, that we're, we're fortunate and we're lucky that you're, you're sharing this creativity and your vulnerability to, um, with us and like in the whole community. And I think that's something that so many of us learned, especially during the, the pandemic was that what we were lacking was the community that we didn't feel like we had yes, in our yeah. like close proximity. So like having this community, we're like, well, you're not next door to me, but like, this is so much better because my next door neighbor is probably going to judge me, but like, you won't. Like, yes. <laughs> it's been so wonderful. That's exactly. it. I feel like I'm so, I had such a fun time talking with both of you. Like this was so much fun. Like I want to do it again. <laughs> Uh, please tell everyone where they can find you on social media. So I am primarily on TikTok and Instagram, same username at Hannah Nicole May. Um, I do have a YouTube with the same user that I have posted a lot of the episodes to. I don't frequent there as often, but I'm trying to. Um, I do have a Twitter account. I almost never am on there. <laughs> That's like, I think, two retweeted tweets. I am on Twitter as well. Uh, my primary socials, though, are Instagram and TikTok. Yeah. And we'll have all that information put in our show notes. And we'll make sure, because you also have like a link tree beacons that kind of connects everything yes. to everyone, too. So yes. we'll make sure we'll have that um, to share with everybody. And thank you again for joining us. Um, and we'll talk to you all soon. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. As Hannah said, please make sure you're checking her out on all of her socials. We'll make sure all that information is in our show notes as well. And please feel free to join us and follow us on Instagram. We're at Akafe Podcast. We're also both on TikTok, Akafe Laura and Akafe Jessica. Thanks so much for joining and we hope to talk to you all soon. Bye.